James Best, but maybe you know me better as Roscoe P. Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazard. Listen, I want you to listen to On Screen and Beyond, or I'll cuff you and stuff you. I'm not kidding. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. And here we are back once again for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak. This is episode 154. And this is your weekly source for what's coming your way as far as sequels and movies and remakes and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment, which has an interview with someone from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we have a great guest coming your way. It's James Best. He played Roscoe P. Coltrane, Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane, on the Dukes of Hazards, and he's going to be coming up in a few minutes, so I hope you're going to stick around for that. Great guy. He's a riot. Has a good time with him, and I hope you're going to stick around for that. And let's see, as far as uh, other things going on, well, uh, if you want to join us on Facebook, you can like us and uh, just go to onscreenandbeyond.com, scroll down to the bottom, and you can just click right there. We have a link that will get you there. And if you have a suggestion for somebody you'd like to hear on the show, send us an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and uh, we'll see what we can do about getting that person on. We will keep trying. We're always looking for different people, so uh, give us an uh, email with who you would like to see, and we'll see what we can do. All right. Now I think it's time to get into the remakes that are coming your way. we got some great remake sequels and movies coming your way, and it's all next right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Please hang up and try again. On the remake madness front, it looks like a new remake of The Hunchback of Notre Dame is in the works from Josh Brolin. Now, it's been done many, many times uh, since way, way back, and uh, it looks like he's going to take a crack at it. And you can also look for a remake of Peter Pan, basically telling the beginnings of Peter. And right now, it looks like it's going to be called Peter Pan Begins. And 1992, Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston had a film called The Bodyguard, and that one is heading also for a remake. That's about it for Remake Madness. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming away as far as upcoming movies. Next. Well, as far as uh, upcoming movies, Steve Carell is going to star in Burt Wonderstone. It's a comedy about a magician who struggles to get it together when he accidentally kills his partner. And The Last Witness is a thriller about a race against time. And a sci-fi film called The Runner is in the works. It's about a devastated Earth and a group of survivors who discover a way to travel back in time and stop the destruction. But the guy going back is set on saving his true love's life. That's it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, the Farley brothers are thinking about making a sequel to Dumb and Dumber, but they say they won't do it without Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. And Sarah Jessica Parker says she would like to do another Sex in the City sequel in a few years, maybe. But it seems the other actresses think it's best to move on. We'll see what happens with that. And Men in Black 3 is on hold as they're making major changes to the script before finally starting to shoot. 
We'll see what happens with that one, too. And that's it for Sequel City. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at TV on DVD. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. TV on DVD, well, it looks like on March 15th, you can check out Peanuts Double Feature, Featuring the first Charlie Brown peanut special, A Boy Named Charlie Brown, and Snoopy Come Home. And we've reviewed those on our website, so you can check that out there. And it looks like on June 7th, Macmillan and Wife Season 3 and Season 2 will be available in the U.S., uh, season 2 has been available in Canada since August. And on also on June 7th, you can look for the Snoop Sisters, the complete series, as it arrives in stores. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming away as far as movies on DVD. It's next, right here. Movies on DVD, well, March 29th, look for Fatal Secrets on DVD. It's uh, with Leah Thompson and Ernie Hudson, Ed Begley Jr., and Tess Harper. Now, of course, Leah Thompson and Tess Harper have both been guests on On Screen and Beyond uh, in just the last few weeks here. So if you want to hear their interviews, you can go back to our rerun section of On Screen and Beyond at onscreenandbeyond.com and listen to those if you'd like. And on March 22nd, Scary Movie 4, unrated on Blu-ray, lands in stores, and it stars Anna Faris, Regina Hall, Dr. Phil, and many, many more. So check that one out. It's a good one. And on June 7th, look for True Grit with Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon as it comes to DVD and Blu-ray. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, you're going to love this one. Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazard. James Best is going to be joining me, and he's going to tell us all kinds of stories. He's a great guy, and it's next right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Joining me today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who has worked with Jimmy Stewart, Henry Fonda, Andy Griffith, just to name a few. He is known and loved worldwide for his role as Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane on the Dukes of Hazard. He also is a writer and a painter. It's James Best. James, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very, very pleased. You know, James, I interview a lot of different people. I've been doing this for three, four years now. And I tell people at work who I'm going to be interviewing. And there's one person who knows nothing about TV, movies, or anything. And I'll tell them who I have on. And like I've had Cliff Robertson on before and Lindsay Wagner and different people. And she always says, well, why don't you have somebody who I know? And she said, why don't you have Brad Pitt? So, you know, I mean, <laughs> and then today uh, I mentioned that I was going to have James Best, who was Roscoe P. Coltrane, on the show. And she says, I know who that is. <laughs> so, see, you, <laughs> you're known by even people who don't know much about TV and movies. <laughs> You know, what's funny is that uh, my wife and I, we went, we toured Europe and France and, and, and Germany and Rome and uh, all these wonderful places. 
and and it's funny. Uh, the show was actually seen in about sixty different countries. Wow. And I see some of the kids over there, and they can't understand why I can't speak their language. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fun show, a good family show, you know. Oh, yeah, geez. And, 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 and thank you for doing the show. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Very nice. And, um, they, well, there's a lot of different things we can talk about. And, of course, Dukes of Hazard. a lot of people want to hear about that. But I'd actually like to start off, a, a lot of people, you know, they remember a lot of actors for a lot of times one special role but your career before that actually was was very impressive and you did a lot of different things so i'd, I'd kind of like to start at the beginning um how did you actually first start to decide to go into acting well actually i did it after the war uh world war ii uh, i was in the air corps and then uh, uh after the war was over uh, i went into a military police and i met an actress over there that was touring uh, the soldier shows with uh, with a legitimate show, and uh, um, I, I started dating her. And uh, so she said, "Well, why don't you uh, transfer into special service?" And I said, "Well, I've never really acted. I never acted it before." Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I actually did. I make a long story uh, shorter. Uh, I uh, went to my commanding officer, and they transferred me into special service. It was Arthur Penn's company, and I, I started with a small part in the show. And as the soldiers were rotated back home, I got a bigger and better part. And I was working with professionals, and so I was learning my craft uh, by doing it. And so I, I signed on again for another uh, six months in the service and toured. And then when I went back to the United States, well, then I went to New York and uh, started studying, and then... Uh, I got a Broadway show, and then uh, Universal uh, Telescope picked me up and put me under contract at Universal in 1949, and I was there for two years. And then I started then um, I started working with Gene Autry and Hopalong Cassidy and and all those people. And wow! In my career, uh, I did it. Uh, I did over 600 television shows and 83 feature pictures. Jesus. And so <laughs> I got to work with. Bogart and Kane Mutiny and Jimmy Stewart in five movies and Audie Murphy in five or six movies and with Burt and Clint Eastwood and all these wonderful people and I was very fortunate so I wrote a book called Best in Hollywood yes uh, the the good the bad and the beautiful and uh, it's about the golden era of Hollywood when <laughs> they actually used uh, real uh, actors that had studied and really were very professional unfortunately today they rely an awful lot on uh, four-letter words and a lot and special effects right <laughs> yeah <laughs> now since you i was going to ask you about that later on but since you mentioned your book um uh, where could they get the book if if somebody wanted to pick that book up well they just go to search or something and type in jamesbest.com and uh, it'll go to my website and then they can uh they can go from there and i'm on facebook and uh and twitter uh really yeah oh yeah i'm very active <laughs> Hmm. I love. Uh, I really love my fans. You know, a lot of a lot of celebrities say they 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 like they love their fans. Well, I'm sure they do. But uh, I spend probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half, two hours if I have the time every day on Facebook talking to my fans. Wow. And, uh, and I'm I'm just so thrilled. I maxed out, so now I went to uh, you know I have my own James Best fan club. So. Uh, I can talk to more people that way. And, ah, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to uh, friend you on uh, <laughs> on Facebook, but uh, if you're you're maxed out, I'm, I'm out of luck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, they go to my fan page. And I, it, I do the same thing on my fan book page. Mm -hmm. It's not, 
I, I don't like the word fan page. I like I call it a. I, I really like to call it a friend page. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah. But because uh, you know I, I really uh, I try to. I try to do the answer as many questions as I can as the as the, uh, as the fans ask them. You know, all about different things, and and uh, it's not necessarily on my career. You know, I you know, I I'm, I'm too old to be conceited. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most unusual question you've been asked on on Facebook? Well, I get the same questions an awful lot. I'm How sure. many cars did we go through on Dukes of Hazard? Uh, was Flash my dog? Um, um, are you still alive? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here to verify that you are. <laughs> yes, either that or my embalmer did a good job. <laughs> uh, it only pays to be silly, doesn't it, sometimes? Right, yeah. Now, just just so people might be wondering, uh, was Flash your dog? Yes, I, uh, I asked, the, they, they didn't give me a girlfriend on the show, except one time she turned out to be a crook. And so I told Warner Brothers, I said, give me a dog, at least people are beginning to wonder about me, you know. And, and I, so I, they, we had never given me a girlfriend. And I said, give me a dog. And they said, we don't want a dog on the show because we have to pay for a trainer and all that. Well, they, they were so cheap. And I said, Either give me a dog or I'm quitting. Cause I, you know, I, you can open up, open up the show a little more with a dog. We're doing the same thing over and over and over. Right. Yeah. So they gave me. They said, "Okay, we'll have a dog." I went to the dog pound and got Flash. She was seven years old, and they were ready to put her down. And uh, I, I put her on the show and <laughs> had them build her a beautiful dressing room <laughs> on wheels. And and she lived to be a wonderful fourteen years old. And and God love her, she was just as bright as she could be and very smart and had a wonderful little trainer that could, could train her to do anything. And she'd do anything for an Oscar Mayer wienery. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Now, out of curiosity, does a, a, a dog or a pet like that get royalties with all the reruns? No, no. Since I owned the dog and they made all sorts of toys and everything representing Flash, Mm-hmm. And I I had a hard time getting my own money out of Warner <laughs> Brothers. And in fact, I'm I'm getting very close to uh, doing something about that. Really? Oh yeah. Wow! I didn't I didn't. I got a I got an attorney that is a bulldog. Huh? He goes for the juggler, and you know I'm John and Tom. They they messed with them at the same time. You know, and John and Tom quit, and uh, and 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 you know the Warner Brothers has a whole. Uh, battery of attorneys and you just can't afford to fight them really you know yeah yeah but uh i'm in a pretty good position now i've got a really powerful attorney we're going to check into it and 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 see what we can do i I mean we can make a whole show on 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 that but i just can't see i mean you know you guys did the work you deserve something i mean well you know everybody we were all supposed to get a percentage of the commodities Mm mm-hmm well, they had over a thousand commodities they were selling and have been for thirty years, and they won't give us a report on it. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, they actually owe me millions of dollars. Jeez, oh, oh boy. Uh, you know, but try to get it. I mean, but I've got a guy now that will get it. I'm sure. God, we'll, well get part of it anyway. Well, I wish you luck on that. That's, yeah. that's you know, you deserve it. That's for sure. We formed our own movie company, you know, Brian. We, oh yeah. Uh, we uh, we shoot. Uh, we've had it for about six years now. We have those new red cameras. If you're familiar yes. with them, yes, yeah. 
and uh, we shot uh, uh, Fireproof, if you saw that, or Facing the Giants. Uh, those were uh, Fireproof, is that the one with Kurt Cameron? Uh, I can't I can't remember. I mean, we did not produce it, so you see, we, they used our equipment right, yeah, and our yeah. crews and stuff. Mm-hmm. I understand they made over $20 million in counting. Wow. That's wow! That's really good. But um, now, as as far as your career, like you say, you worked with all these these uh, amazing actors uh, oh, yeah. through your life. You worked with uh, Walter Brennan, correct? Yes. What was he like? Oh, I love Walter. Uh, uh, I did a, a movie when I first met him. I did a movie called Come Next Spring uh, with Ann Sheridan and uh, Sonny Tufts and, and and Walter Brennan, and I had to do a drunk scene with Walter Brennan. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine this young punk <laughs> trying to do a thing with a legend like Walter Brennan? I know. Yeah. And Walter liked me, and uh, he said, I'm going to do a series and called Real McCoys, and I want you to play my uh, nephew. And I couldn't do it because I was under contract to Jack Chertok for another series, and, and just... But I wanted that. I wanted to do that so badly. But, uh, but, uh, but I never. Unfortunately, you know, it doesn't all work out just just the way you want it. Sometimes. True. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but he was a he was a jokester. You know. He, oh really? He loved to tease, and uh, he acted like uh, he was a, a very. Uh, a, very, very, very professional. He, he came to work. He never carried a script. You never saw him with a script in his hand, but he'd already memorized it all. And and uh, uh, but as I say, he played an old man when it was I think when he was twenty five years old. Really, he just he just had that look. You he know? did. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, now, now, what about, uh, like you say, I could go through all these, I mean, I'm looking at your list here of all the different uh, people in the shows you've been in. I mean, you know, every Western that was uh, a hit you were on back in the 50s yeah. and 60s. Um, I, 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 I did a ride lonesome with Randolph Scott, and it was James Coburn's first movie. Oh, really? James and Coburn? And Fernell Roberts was the other one, was, and Lee Van Cleve played my brother. Now, that was a cast for you. It was a good movie. Wow. It was called Ride Lonesome, and Karen Steele was the young lady, and a, a very uh, famous director, Bud Bettinger, directed it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you also appeared on Rawhide with uh, Clint Eastwood, correct? Yeah, I did two or three of those. The, uh, yeah, uh, Clint, yeah he's, he's still, he still hugs my neck when I see him, you know. But I don't go to L.A. very much because I don't like L.A. at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it's not become... You know, they've all, they crippled that poor Hollywood, you know, it's a shame. Right, yeah. Uh, now, you were also on Laramie, and I, I noticed that you, you did a couple of those shows, but one time, the name of your character was Johnny Best. Yeah. W- was that a... Yeah, they did that as a gag, you know, the writers, they all knew me, and, you know, I'd done all the shows, and uh, it's just like... Uh, they call me Jim on jazz for Jim Lindsay on the, the Andy Griffith show. Right. I played the guitar player. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, they they do that a lot of times. They joke around and put put my name on it. You know, <laughs> I think a writer did that a lot of times because they wanted me to be to play the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which was very you know it was very sweet of them to do that. Yeah, yeah. I did three Twilight Zones. I did one. Uh, uh, called The Grave with Lee Marvin, Struther Martin, and Lee Van Cleve. We were all in that one show. Mm-hmm. And it was a ghost story that I had learned when I was a kid when I was raised in southern Indiana. And uh, I say raised because I was adopted and, and, and was raised in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And 
It was a ghost story, and uh, a writer named Monty Pittman wrote it into a western and cast the the the, the four of us in that in that movie in wow. that Twilight Zone. That was a good one. Then I did I did another one with Van Francis called Jezebel, and then mm-hmm. then I did one where I get up out of a uh, at the beginning I I've, I've been dead for three days and get up out of the coffin, and that's the. The Rights of Jeff Myrtlebank, I think that was the name of that. Now, one. now, if I remember, is that the one where they you were in prison or something, and, and they buried you alive, and then you came back alive after, at the end, or is, am, am I thinking of a different show? Yeah, I think it may be different. This one, I, I think, I they supposedly it was it was a period piece actually, and it, uh, it opens up at a church, and, and uh, everybody's looking at up front in the casket opens and I sit up in it and I said, you know, who the heck put me in this coffin? It was a funny, it was funny, uh, it was a semi-serious funny, that sounds ridiculous, but that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, it was a different type of Twilight Zone. But uh, Now, did you get to meet Rod Sterling? Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he didn't write, toward the end, he wasn't writing that much. He was, you know, he was narrating it. Right. And uh, you know he owned a big chunk of the company, so <clears throat> excuse me. He uh, he spent most of his time just spending his money, and he would come in and narrate the <laughs> narrate the beginning. Yeah. Now, now, what about Hitchcock? You actually worked on uh, a couple of Hitchcock shows. Well, again, I did Hitchcock. Did I did not direct the ones I was in? I did three of those. Uh, um, um, he he had different directors directing. There was a gentleman from London, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, and that's a shame. But uh, but um, yeah, I did three of them. Uh, I think three or four uh, Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. That was a that was good. They were good scripts. You know? oh, yeah. That was that was a great learning period during my career uh, with the Twilight Zones, and it was it was a great learning period for a lot of people. Later became superstars. You know, like Lee Marvin. And oh yes. Struther Martin and. Lee Van Cleve and those people, you know. Yeah, yeah. What a training ground. Oh, I guess. Jeez. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now you had mentioned about the being on Andy Griffith's show, and I can remember that show because that that was that was a really good episode of of Andy Griffith. Um, and uh, I remember you playing the the the, the character of the the singer. Uh, now, did did you do the actual guitar playing and everything in that in that? You know, now I should have said that was a that was the most asked question that I've had in my career. Really? <laughs> uh, uh, actually, what I'm going to tell, tell you, your audience, <laughs> with the truth, they call me and they, they call me and they said, do you want to do an Andy Griffith show? And I said, well, ooh, yeah, I like Andy. <clears throat> I didn't, I had never met Don Knotts or, or Ronnie Howard. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I went over and they said, can you play a guitar? And I said, I don't, I don't lie. And I said, are you kidding? I have two guitars, which I did. <laughs> But I played about four chords. That's about it. I get over. They say this is the music, and I said I can't play that. And they said, Well, you lied. You said you could, you know, that you played a guitar. And I said, I, 
I didn't lie. I told you I had two guitars. Well, it was too late to replace me, so I did the show. I said, but I'll finger it in such a way that only a musician will know the difference. So I got away with it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because uh, James Drury, I don't know if you, you know James Drury. Sure. But um, he was on the show, and he was telling us how uh, they asked him if he could ride a horse. <laughs> and, and, you know, and several actors actually have told me that, that, you know, no matter what they ask you, you say yes. yes absolutely, <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, I was lucky under contract at Universal. They had horses on the back lot that you could train. They trained us in fencing, and, and they tried to teach you dance. I, I said, I can't dance. <laughs> and uh, they had, uh, actually, the guy training us was uh, Donald O'Connor's uh, choreographer. Uh, but he taught us taught us a little tap, and, I mean, you had a voice coach, and they really trained the actors in those days. Unfortunately, today, uh, the, the, the people do not have the... the uh, uh, they just don't have a chance to really train right. like they did in the old days when people were under contract and didn't have the publicity built up. You know, mm-hmm. nowadays you get a reality star or uh, you know, uh, idol yep. or something, and they do one song or one show, and all of a sudden they call them a they call them a mega star and they can't spell it. Right. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> <laughs> so what they do is the, the writers just say, well, let's do, a, let's do a, a copy from a comic book. So they've worn all the comic books out. They, it's just, they do remakes of things all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And so, some of them are good, or some, but the, some of them are pretty pretty bad, I guess. But uh, yeah. it's too bad because all they do is add other, another four-letter word, you know, every other word, and then, you know, and more body parts fly all over. Right, yep. And they call that entertainment. I, you know, when I did those westerns, I got killed a lot, and you know, and I'd get shot. Well, I just put some ketchup, uh, I mean, some uh, chocolate syrup on my shirt, mm-hmm. and it looked like blood. Yep. You fall off your horse; they know you're dead. <laughs> you, didn't have to, you didn't have to see your body go flying across the room or across the prairie or wherever you were. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Jeez. Now, now you mentioned uh, that you were in Cain Mutiny with uh, Bogart. Uh, what was what was Bogart like? Well, you know, uh, there were so many stars in that movie. I mean, really big stars. I was just a punk, young punk uh, actor. You know, mm-hmm. I was lucky to be in it, and I didn't have that much. I was one of his officers, and I had a few lines. But uh, uh, to work with that caliber of actors at that time was, well, you know, was a real blessing. Plus, I made a lot of money on it. You know, yeah. and. Uh, but Bogart, he, he was sort of keeping to himself. At that time, Bogart was dying, and, and, and nobody knew it. Uh-huh. Uh, he actually, you know, he was suffering from, from cancer. Oh, jeez. And so he was in pain, I guess, quite a bit. So uh, he kept more or less to himself, but he won the Academy Award with it. So. Right, yep. Hmm. Great talent, great talent. Yeah. Now I understand your cousins with the the uh, Everly Brothers. Yeah. Well, you know, I was born in Kentucky, and my dad was a coal miner, and my mama died early. She died when she was about thirty eight, thirty nine years old, and 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 uh, there was there was nine of us, and uh, there was just not enough money to go around. So my dad, my uh, blood relative. He put me in an orphan's home along with some of my brothers. And uh, I was very fortunate. I was adopted and, and raised in southern Indiana, a little farm town called Corydon, Indiana. And uh, 
but I, little did I ever even visualize of ever going to Hollywood and becoming an actor, you know, because, mm-hmm. of course, everybody wants to be a cowboy. Right. So I got to live out my dream, you know, and get paid for it. Yeah. Also, I wanted to ask you, how did you get the part of Roscoe Peep Coltrane? <laughs> well, I had just finished, a, uh, I did the rewrites, and I, I just finished a picture with Burt Reynolds called Hooper. Yes. And, I, you know, I was in there with him, and, uh, of course, I made a lot of movies with Bert. Right. And we were, were for friends for many years. But uh, So I just finished Hooper, and uh, my agent called and said, oh, look, they want you to come over and see about a series called Dukes of Hazard." I said, I don't want to do a gang thing. I really don't want to do a whole series about gangs and stuff. He said, no, 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 this is a good old boy thing, and they're going to shoot the whole series in Conyers, Georgia. Well, Conyers, Georgia is where I produced Gator for Burt Reynolds. Ah, yeah. And it helped him with the rewrites. And <clears throat> I loved that area. The fishing was nice. <laughs> and the people were really friendly and nice. I said, they're going to shoot the whole show down there? And they said, yeah. Well, we went to Georgia, and we shot five of them, and then they moved it back to L.A., which to my chagrin, and seven years later, I'm still in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> I went over. And I said, w- w- they said, we want you to play the sheriff. And I said, and I read the script, and I said, you got him awful serious. You know, this should be a family type of show. And so what I did, when I, re- I said, let me read the script. And I went back and read for him, and I said, I'm going to do what, I'm going to play Roscoe P. Coltrane as a 12-year-old who likes hot pursuit. And I said, I'm not going to play a mean sheriff. Mm-hmm. Because I have too much respect for the the, the real people that, that that put their life on the line all the time. Yeah. And so I did. And so they said, "What are you going to do?" Well, I did what I did with my little girls when my girls were little, very little. I you go, well, I did that about three times, and they fell off the cast laughing. <laughs> and that was the first one they signed. So it worked out very well for me, and I I was really blessed to be in a series that that had good family values and was all over the world. And, and, you know, we had 25 to 30 million people watching it every Friday night. And, oh, yeah. You know, and it, for this old country boy <laughs> to be on the screen that much, you know, the good Lord worked overtime for this old country boy. <laughs> so, now, did you and um, uh, Sorrell, uh, w- was everything scripted exactly and you <laughs> followed it? Or did you guys sort of, you know, bounce? Because it seemed very relaxed and, and that the way you guys, the chemistry you had together seemed very good. Absolutely. We, I lay you odds that if, if, it, if I showed you the scripts, you would say 80 to 90% of the stuff that I did was ad-lib. Wow. Because, uh, first of all, uh, the, the writers really didn't care for me that much. They were not, first of all, they had no idea about Southern humor. Mm-hmm. And so every time I'd read the script, I'd say I'd go to Saul and I'd say, Saul, you read you read what they have to has to be in the script so that we move the story along and I said, I'll I'll play the fool against you and we'll just have laughs and, and so I'd come up with these crazy ideas. I walked in one time and I said, Saul, I've read the script. I said, This is really a dull scene. I said, Why don't I try to light your cigar and set your hat on fire? <laughs> And he said, okay. So I called the prop man over, and I said, give me a, a can of lighter fluid. And I soaked 
That's a riot. Oh, we had a lot of fun. You know, Sorrel spoke five languages. Really? Wow. Yeah. There was a contingency of Japanese gentlemen came in, and we had an open set. You know, we had a lot of visitors from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw him go over and st- uh, started talking to them. <laughs> and I said, Sorrel, don't do that. I called him all the time. I said, don't do that. I said, that's him. You know, you, you embarrass those people. You, you know, acting a fool like that. He said, well, I'm speaking Japanese. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. I'd been working with a man for a couple of years and didn't know he could speak Japanese. He said, I speak five languages. Wow. And he could. Jeez. And he was a very, 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 very bright man. And, uh, of course, he was not Southern, but he put on that crazy accent, which was absolutely adorable. Right, yeah. I love the man. I really did. Oh, jeez. Well, um, I, I know we're getting close to the time to finish up here, but uh, I want to uh, ask you about Lindsay Wagner has been a guest on our show. Yeah. Uh, I understand you knew Lindsay, right? Well, I taught her acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was my babysitter. Yes. And uh, God love her. Uh, she, my, wife, my ex-wife was a ballet teacher or a dance teacher, and, and Lindsay... Didn't, didn't really take to the dancing. And she said, well, you should take to the acting. Well, I, I, I let her in my group, you know, although she was young. I said, but she's like a little doe, you know, the beautiful little eyes. And, and uh, uh, so she started studying with me. And she came to me one time and she said, you know, I've been offered a, a soap opera. And she said, should I take it? And I said, honey, I can only tell you what I would do if, I, if it was my daughter. I'd say, not, not to do it because I said you're going to be a movie star and she didn't take it and she thanks me even today for for not having her take a soap opera nothing wrong with soap opera actors but right. at those days it was a sort of a stigma yep. you know they weren't they weren't considered uh, uh, movie stars they were considered soap stars right you know? yeah different yeah, yeah it was, 
but now you know if it goes back and forth anyway now every every different direction so right. there's no stigma now of course yeah yeah in fact my son-in-law is michael damien who was only young and restless for 15 years and a singer too a wonderful singer yes. Rock on. oh yes yeah yeah and he's in they're in bulgaria now my my daughter wrote the script and, and he's directing it and, and they're shooting a film over there now for uh for hallmark wow that's it's a christmas great. show uh-huh yeah. Now, going over the list of, of things that you, you're you got going on, I noticed. Are you going to be in a film called Return of the Killer Screws? <laughs> yes. You are. Well, I, I got. I hope I got time to tell you this. <laughs> I did two feature pictures with uh, Sammy Fuller, and Sammy Fuller said, "Jimmy, I want you to do me a favor." I said, "Anything." He said, "I have a friend. He's never directed in his life. He's a. It was a special effects man. who wants to direct a movie and." Ken Curtis is producing it, and Ken Curtis is going to be in it. I love Ken Curtis because I've done good three or four gun smokes. Mm-hmm. And he said they're going to shoot it in Texas, and they don't have a big budget. I said, well, that doesn't matter. If you want me to do it, I'll do it. I went down there. I think we shot that little movie for about 15 cents. <laughs> and actually, it was so bad, it became a cult film. Right, yeah. And so for all these years, I met a, a man who was doing little horror pictures and very successfully named uh, 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 Steve Latshaw. And Steve went to Hollywood and now written, has written and produced about 25 major feature pictures. I said, Steve, let's shoot a sequel to Killer Shrews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll do the same part that I played 50 years ago. Wow. And I said that'll be you know that'll be interesting to the, to the fans and, and to the people just for the very fact that I'm doing something uh, you know uh, going back to the island where the killer crews are. Mm-hmm. But we got one of the finest special effects team that want to do it too. Wow. You know, so I got John Schneider. And I said as a favor, we you you know we want I want to do a sequel. I got Mel Tillis. Wow. I got a uh, 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 little. Uh, Jennifer Lyons, a beautiful young lady. Mm-hmm. And we got, believe it or not, we got Errol Flynn's grandson in the movie. Wow. <laughs> so we got a wonderful cast, and and uh, we got I got Rick Hurst, one of my deputies, uh, my deputy dipstick out of uh, Dukes of Dukes Hazard. Dukes of Hazard, yeah. <laughs> and I got David Browning. And I, so we we have a really good, great cast. And, of course, we have the finest equipment in the world, so we're going to use those red cameras. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's what they're shooting the great big major movies with. Right. And so we can shoot it for the right price. And so we're very excited about it. And my, my lovely wife is a producer on it. And uh, and it, it won't be a piece of junk like the other one, but... <laughs> but we hope, I, I really anticipated it doing very well because, you know, the three of us have written the script, uh, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. Steve Lashaw and I and, and uh, Pat Moran, who is a professional writer. So it's not a piece of garbage. I mean, it, it will be a it'll be a real tongue-in-cheek fun. It's not a slasher film. Right, yep. But it will be spooky at certain little times, but uh, which everybody expects, but... But we're really, really looking forward to doing it because it'll we'll, we'll have so much fun on it. It'll yeah. Be, oh yeah. We never we don't go overtime on it. Yeah. Any idea when they will be released? No. It, you know, you, uh, you're you're aware that it takes quite some time. But time you oh, shoot yes. it, edit it, score it, and all that, it takes nearly almost a year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And because oh. uh, you know we're not going to really rush it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Although at my age, I have to move it along pretty good <laughs> if I want to see the, the doggone premiere. Well, when you do come out with the film, I want to have you back on the show to talk about it. I'd love How to nice have you. nice of you. Thank you. We do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, James, um, I'd like to. There's, there's so many other things I wanted to talk about, and I just, you know, we're not going to get to that. Uh, I, I do want to mention your paintings. I, I love your paintings, and people can see those by going to your website, jamesbest.com. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been painting? Well, I've been painting. Uh, I've been painting for probably thirty, thirty-five years. Yeah. Oh, they're beautiful paintings. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I self-taught, but uh, I kept doing everything wrong until I'd get it right. And so after I did, I got a few things right in a row, and and I started selling my paintings. And and now I'm getting commissions from Europe and everywhere. So wow. uh, I'm I'm very excited. I sell an awful lot on on Facebook too. Yeah. Yeah. Geez, I can see why because they're really nice. I'm sorry. They're really nice. Uh, they're I can see why people are buying them. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. well. I I paint every day. We built a beautiful home here in Hickory, North Carolina, and uh, and uh, my wife designed the house, and she designed me a beautiful art studio. So I utilize it quite well, and I love to paint. And I'd rather sell one painting than sign a thousand autographs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have just two quick questions left for you. Sure. First off, what's your favorite TV shows of all time? Not necessarily ones you were in, but ones that you enjoy. I tell you, uh, you mean presently or, or in the Whenever, past? Whenever, whatever you like. Whenever you, you know, old or new. Golden Girls. Yep. I loved uh, uh, Sanford and Son. Mm-hmm. I loved, uh, I loved uh, Two Men and a Boy or Two Men and a... Uh, two and a Half Men? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I like uh, uh, Boston Legal. Yes, that was a riot. I love that. I love I love some of the detective shows. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wish they were doing some westerns now. I wish they'd do more westerns. I wish they'd do some more westerns. Yeah. yeah. But they will, they will eventually get to them, you know. But but uh, those are basically uh, some of my favorite shows. Of course, my favorite. Some of my favorite shows were some. Not necessarily because I worked in them, but I really loved them. I loved the old Twilight Zone. Yes, yeah, very good show. I loved the Hitchcock shows, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, uh, I, of course I loved the westerns too. You yeah. know, but uh, for I love to laugh. You know, I really after a day's work, I really like to sit down and, and enjoy it. Either there are or a good mystery type of show. I love, of course, I love Ronnie Howard stuff. Oh yes, yeah. And movies and uh, and I love Clint Eastwood stuff and. Uh, uh, they're real pros. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What What's your favorite movies? I think uh, Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, of course, there, there, uh, I loved um, uh, I Escaped from the Southern Chain Gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked, uh, of course, I love Jimmy Stewart's stuff. Because oh, yeah. he's my idol, you know. All his stuff I love very dearly. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, I, I got to work with Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda and and uh, Jack Elam, all in all those people in one movie, and wow. so that was a really blessing. And then, then I got to do Shenandoah with Jimmy Stewart, which is one of my all-time favorites. You must movies. have been so excited to work with with those actors. Oh man, I say yes. I've been really blessed. Yeah. I've been blessed to have a, 
uh, wonderful people like you have me on their shows too. I do appreciate it. Well, James, I, I want to thank you so much. It's 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 been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show, and uh, I appreciate you doing it and taking the time to talk with us. Well, God love you. Well, well let's do it again. Yes. <laughs> All right, it's an old Rusko Picot, I would say. You keep your nail now in the pedal of the metal. She does the hot pursuit. I'm gone. Oh, you got to love that guy, Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazard, James Best. want to thank him very much for taking the time to uh, you know, join us and talk with us and share those stories with us. A lot of fun. Great guy. And uh, if you have a guest that you'd like to hear on On Screen and Beyond, be sure to email it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. A lot of times uh, we have guests that people have suggested to us, and uh, we look for them and try to see if we can connect and uh, we might be able to get yours on so uh, don't be afraid to send it to us we'd love to hear from you and thank you for all the emails that we get that we get a lot of people emailing in and just chatting with me and uh, you know we appreciate it very much and uh, glad you're listening to the show it's uh, always a pleasure to have you here each week i hope you're joining us each week and i uh, hope you find these people interesting that we're talking to and um That's about a wrap for this week's show. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care.